Welcome to Scale with Sergio, a market scale podcast where industry experts share valuable insights in their areas, from operations and supply chain to finance and sales. I am your host, Sergio Reyes. Welcome to Scale with Sergio, a market scale podcast where industry experts share valuable insights in their areas, from operations and supply chain to finance and sales. I am your host, Sergio Reyes. Starting a manufacturing operation is complex and involves months and sometimes years of planning. Starting a manufacturing operation in a different country is a different level of complex. Today we will explore how Transmatic, a US-based company, approached the opening of their facility in Monterrey, Mexico. I would like to welcome a great business leader and friend, Javier Gallegos, General Manager at Transmatic Precision Metal Forming. Javier and I started our career at a metal stamping facility in Monterey a few months back. Maybe it was a few years back. I can't remember. Hey, Javier, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Sergio, how are you? Very well. And you? Good. Thank you for joining us today. Now that you said a few years, yeah, it's like a pretty much eight to 10 years, I believe so. Absolutely. Uh, probably even earlier than that, no? Because it was, anyway. All right, we won't age ourselves here, but um, it, it's great topic, um, Javier, because I think, uh, you know, starting an operation, there's a lot of factors involved in um, starting a new facility, etc. But even before we get into that topic, um, why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit about Transmatic? Um, you know, where are they based? Uh, you know, just to get us a little bit in the context. Sure. Well, Transmatic is a U.S.-based company. Uh, it is uh, the corporate uh, headquarters are in Holland, Michigan. It's a very nice city next to the uh, Michigan Lake. And uh, well, this company started 52 years ago. Our founder is Pat, Mr. Pat Thompson. He started the company as, as many leaders with just uh, a small operation in a shop. So he developed all this uh, business along this time. And now uh, his son, PJ Thompson, is our current CEO. Basically, we specialize in the deep drum uh, metal stamping products, which is a really, really, we specialize in the deep draw metal stamping products, which is a really uh, different type of stamping. It's uh, very specialized, and believe me, there's a few companies in the world that can do these kind of jobs. That's, that's great. That's great, and great to have you. Thank you. All right. So, when did it start, more or less, uh, that you guys needed to expand into into Mexico? Um, just tell us a little bit about what are the needs and why did you guys decide to move into Monterey, Mexico? Well, uh, Transmatic itself uh, has a, a very wide base of uh, customers, and the automotive industry is one of them. So, we have already uh, customers in the U.S. that require presence in Mexico, pretty much like a, the starting in 2010, 2011, we were having these requests. And well, our former experience from Transmatic being in China, the, the, the China operation started in 2006, was very successful. So they decided to start having this adventure in Mexico, pretty much having the, the planning process in 2014. So the difference from the, from the experience from China to Mexico is that in China, they started from Greenfield, pretty much with one press in a, in a Lisa warehouse. But in Mexico, uh, we decided to acquire a company, the name was Tapones de Mexico. This is kind of a very interesting history because this uh, this company was based in the Monterrey area, but it was owned by a, by the 
with the Casa Madero Winery in Mexico. Hmm. So the, there's a common history between two, these two companies. Uh, the owners met uh, from several years ago, and finally they decided to to get together and establish a negotiation for acquiring this company. Yeah, that's interesting. Wine company and, and, and metal company. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. But um, all right. So that's cool. Thank you for the history there. So now you guys, um, Transmatic decides to uh, negotiate with uh, Casa Madero. You uh, buy the facility. And then I'm sure just that is just the beginning of it, right? So um, and so tell us a little bit. How do you start the, the process of, of uh, you know, implementing and installing this new factory and um, I'm sure you have a lot of factors involved, and uh, just tell us a little bit. How did you start with this? Well, definitely was a, was a whole whole process. Actually, I was on board with the company precisely for this project. I was working in a different company before. The initial thought for Transmatic having the opponents is that uh, these people was already familiar with the deep draw process. As I mentioned, the deep draw is not really a, a common uh, type of stamping. So it was a very good initiative from Transmatic to have these uh, people already familiar, having this kind of uh, the same kind of process in, in place, and it will give us a base of customers. So initially, the, the thought was uh, to acquire the the, the Pones facility, and we decided to to purchase land here in Mexico in, my, in the Monterrey area, and uh, having our own facility uh, for Transmatic. So it was pretty much two projects at the same time: the construction project and bringing on board the Tapones uh, operation. Got it. And technically speaking, it is in Apodaca, right? Not the facility? No. No. No, the, the, the facility is in, in Santa Catarina. Santa Catarina, that's right. Uh -huh. That's the, the worst. Was the, the form of the Tapones facility was established there. But we are pretty much in the middle of Santa Catarina and Garcia. It was in the Finza Industrial Park. It's a pretty, pretty brand new uh, industrial park. And we work at the a very nice piece of land that actually has a land available for expansion, for future expansion. That's great. So, so yes. Also, for first thought was kind of a have some a person involved with the with the, with the tapones operation. In this case, was myself. I was pretty much uh, since the middle of 2015 working with together with this team, pretty much as an invited because officially wasn't really the, the general manager, general manager from tapones. I was pretty interesting. Um, experience to know first the people. It was uh, a very compact group of people that was uh, very well established with a, with a lot of insight of the, of the deep drone, but definitely they have certain restrictions because uh, related to the capacity to produce their parts, some kind of a technical uh, expertise that was required. But overall, these people did a very nice job with the actual resources that they have. It. All right. So then Again, acquisition of the company. I think you, they picked the the right person to lead them, Javier. I mean, a little bit biased in your favor, but still, I think you're a um, great leader. So then, um, all right. So tell us a little bit about the one of the first items I have to imagine that you have to consider is that resistance to change, right? I mean, I'm sure there were processes. I'm sure there was a culture um, differential there uh, between the two companies. So how did you approach that? Well, definitely, this this uh, announced that we were acquiring Tapones caused a lot of uncertainty to the people. They were afraid that we would be fighting them. And pretty much we were very open, we were very honest. We make up the first uh, uh, meeting with the union and with the, with the people. We told them that we want to keep all the people on board. That was pretty much the first statement that we, 
we asked them. We showed them who was pragmatic. We showed them a presentation. Those are our capabilities. Those are the, the business drivers that we have in our, in, 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 our, in our values. And that's something that the people really like it. So, okay, first they say, okay, we have a, a secure job. The second thing we we're, we told them, hey, we need to move in a different facility. And that was kind of a, a, a very uh, particular situation because in the middle of the, of the, of the changes, people start thinking that we were moving to Aporaca, very far from their homes. And really we decided to establish there because the people live around the, this area. So we didn't want to lose anybody because we know that the, the know-how of these people was very valuable for us. So clarifying these two main items was, was just key for the people to, to stay calm. So my advice will be, be honest. I mean, be open with what are your intentions. Your intentions are keep the people, your intentions are grow the business or move it to a different place. Just be open and very honest at the beginning. And the second thing, we pretty much, I will say, respect the achievements from the opponents. We know that these people have some kind of a situation that we're addressing day by day to deliver the product to their customers. And pretty much we try to help them to be successful, not really trying to point fingers and, hey, you know, you, you can do something better or we can teach you how to do it. Or, or, our main statement is how we can make your, your job easiest, pretty much. Yeah, um, I think it's communication is critical to just uh, break that barrier. I mean, if you... If you're thinking that you're, uh, you will have to change your life basically because you're moving to a different city, that that can be a good feeling. And then seems like you guys manage it very well. So, um, all right. So that is the culture. We talked about the communication process. Do you want to uh, talk about the the actual when you were uh, building the factory? Um, I know you had to um, consider a few inventory items and making sure that you're ready to continue uh, delivering to clients. So um, how is that process? Well, it was very, very challenging, definitely, as I mentioned. That at some point, uh, these people has kind of a uh, situation with the delivery and really prepare for an, a full inventory, like a three months of inventory ahead with all the part numbers because we need to make a new validation with our customers. What's kind of, oh my God, this will be impossible. How will it happens? And definitely we don't have anything like a... a uh, a magic uh, word to say to to put it in place and say okay here, here's the ma magic receipt we told them we need to plan how what we need to achieve the plan pretty much so the first point is establish the production meetings uh, at this point the at that point the production meetings were mainly driven by the, the administration i will say all the heads of the different departments but we decided to get involved the people pretty much uh, one of the key elements for our main power as a, is the tool makers. The tool makers are, are the people that actually set the machine, ready to run, install the tools, make pretty much all the, all the work uh, able to, to continue in a, in a mass production. So having these people really involved and explaining what were the constraints to, to deliver the production needed was kind of a, a, main, a main change for them. They were not really involved in those kind of, uh, of situations. They were just directed where to work and make the best as possible. Okay. Um, I don't know if you recall, Javier, when um, when we were at the other stamping facility many years ago that we purchased the uh, factory that was, I don't know, a few blocks down the road. And uh, we did very similar. We had to, one of the things that I remember uh, going to the other facility and making sure the shipments were going out the door 
uh, to the clients because at some point when the agreement was made or when the contract was signed, something happened, right? And then we we went a bunch of uh, people, you included, and other production managers, and we almost took o over of that facility. Um, I think the f very first um, departments <laughs> was uh, shipping because we needed to make sure that the boxes were still being loaded into the trucks and the clients were were being served. Did you? How do you? What was your first department? I guess that um, that you had to to train or is it a, How did you conduct that training to to keep things moving? Well, definitely the the main um, opportunity area was production. Here, the toolmakers are the people to really make the production happening, actually. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that they needed were tools, hand tools. Got it. So I say, I cannot see a people wasting their time asking for a person to borrow their hammer. So I took the, one of the actions that I took to, uh, I did, is took the guide in charge of the, of the tool makers and take it over to Home Depot. Here's your car, fill it with whatever you need to make the production happen. Really? Wow. So sometimes you need to really look for those for simple things but definitely uh, we we, need, we we bring support from holland we bring a couple of experienced tool makers that help us to build this kind of a inventory one or process that is is is, is actually kind of a process is to, to sort uh, the material when you are making the deep draw parts the material presents inclusions it's part of the natural of the material and pretty much you need to sort 100 percent according to the requirement of the customers so in order to keep the pressure running, we need to bring another company to help us with the sorting. That was a resource that we need to invest in order to keep running. At some point of when we made our planning for the, for the ramp up of production, uh, we decided, okay, we need to bring extra resources. The company was aware of it. They supported us on, on, those, uh, on that situation. And we were pretty much dedicated to make production. It's, it's not like, oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes if the people wasn't really able to stay all the time in the press because they need to sort parts to to make the shipments happen hmm. very very interesting all right and then i know you're very proud um, of the production tools that you have built production meetings uh, dashboards and everything why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what innovations did you guys do with um, again to monitor production right so you're you went to training you made sure everybody had their tools now you're running a production. How do you monitor all this? What does your control center look like? When at the time we were developing this project, it was something very, very simple. It was the PDCA, PDCA boards. Pretty much we have our, our boards following the PDCA methodology. We prepared a plan to, to make the product for the production. We executed, we verified, we made the plan. If not, we take actions. So it's very, very simple. So. In our production meetings, we follow it an order to explain uh, to, you know, production meeting, we follow an order to check our, our dashboard. The first one was safety, no incidents, no accidents. Okay. The second one was quality. Okay. What were the biggest rejection? We have something with our customers? No. The third one is delivery. Okay. We're meeting the, we have the material to meet, to meet our, our deliveries for today or for the week. That's okay. And the last one was the cost. In this part of the cost, we decided to monitor our production and our OE. So we said our goal was to stamp 200,000 pieces. Okay, we meet the goal. Okay, that's good. We didn't meet it. Why we didn't meet the goal? That was the first question. Okay, what we need to do to record that uh, gap of production 
and make sure that doesn't happen again. So in this in this exercise, we involve to all the to all the uh, departments, including the toolmakers. So what is waste reason to actually include the HR? Because we need an extra person to cover some position. HR need to give us the the person. If we need to purchase a tool, okay, that will, that will be the finance department to help us to make sure that we pay the tool. So everybody needs to be aware of the needs to make, to meet the plan. Following this progression, right? So um, again, folks have tools. We're monitoring. You guys are have the production uh, dashboards and everything. Uh, do you encourage? Um, when it check in and check out meetings at the beginning and at the end of the day, is it one a day? Is it one per, per department? How do the production meetings um, happen? Well, the production meetings, as you remember, are kind of interesting. When everything is good, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. If something fail, well, there's people that uh, start looking around them and see who's the next victim. <laughs> I would say in that, in that way. Yes, right. This is very important to to keep in mind which is the goal. It just make part for our customers. So we're not looking who failed, we're looking who really helped us to, to meeting the goal very much. And if something failed, okay, how we can make it uh, better that doesn't repeat again. We're not really looking for having some people that point it out and, and say, okay, you know, you're, you're, you want to blame you for, because we, don't, we didn't meet the, the, the goal or we didn't meet the achievement. I mean, okay, how we can make these things better. Another element and probably one of the most critical ones perhaps is uh, making sure that the team feels part of the of the company, right? That they're part of a team. And one of the bigger elements um, of that is empowerment, empowerment of the employees, empowerment of the, of, the, of the workforce. So tell us a little bit what, how did you achieve that um, empowerment and that feeling of belonging, if you will, from the, from the, from the workforce? One of our first statements of the people when I was introducing myself and how we wanted to work is that actually we were there not to tell them what to do. We were there to help them to make their job better, easiest, more effective, whatever you call them, and asking ideas how we can make it. Pretty much going back to the construction plan that we were doing in parallel, where we tried to decide, okay, what will be the best location for the tool room, for maintenance? We brought to the people actually working in the area and show their plans and ask, ask for their opinions. That was something like it was kind of a shock for them. Well, actually, when we were discussing about the, the lockers, we told them, hey, guys, how many lockers do you need? How many restrooms do you need inside of the lockers? Okay, and pretty much was kind of a silly idea, but the people like it to be uh, uh, asked all these kind of questions. And we told them, hey, we need to, you feel like uh, you're home. So just for example, we, when we were making a statement, we told them, you guys, the finish from the lockers are the same finish from the, from the restrooms that we have in the offices. So everything is the same. It's, we're not making any distinction. So they like it, that idea. When we were making the, the production meetings and we have a press that they need a, a special adjustment, we ask them to the tool maker that is assigned to the, to the job, hey guys, what do you need? Okay, you need my help, you need to help from tool room, we need to help from maintenance, we're here to support you on your work. And he didn't have any, any, any problem. Okay, let me know when you will be thinking that the press will be running back again. Give me an hour. It was kind of an interesting process. You know, at the beginning, people was kind of hesitating to, to, to commit to, to a particular hour for having the, the press button running. But once they started to feel that they are supported, they don't hesitate and give you an hour. And they explained the reasons why they were taking so much 
We're asking why you can do it, how you can do it better. This kind of process was very helping to, to engage more and more, more the people. It's really cool because if you feel like you built in a sense or you designed the factory or you helped doing that, you have a little bit more stake into it, right? And then um, if you feel like the leadership is listening to what you have to say and your opinion and your ways of solving things, yeah, you're right. You're more encouraged and you want to solve the problems. Um, that's probably the difference between, like you said, pointing fingers and, and just resolving an issue. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. The client is the one that has to be the first priority for, for everybody, for a company. You mentioned a little bit of uh, a few perks that you guys uh, designed. So yeah, you listen to your employees. That's awesome. You, you allow them to design the facility. You made them part of the team, but you did some, have some monetary incentives as well as some gifts and all that. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, definitely we made a, a market study to, to understand how were, how the people were in terms of the salary. We look at their kind of a, in the low range from, from the area, as for particularly the tool makers. They were kind of a pretty much on the like a general operators in in our, in our type, type of companies. But we decided not to really be on the top of companies for for the salary. We want to be in the average. Want to be competitive and don't enter the market because we believe that really the salary is important. But something that is more important is the person. Something that we really think is very important is the person feels the need to, to go to the job every day because they feel motivated besides the salary that we know that's important. So our first uh, point was be really uh, market competitive in the average, not really in the top. We take a look at the uniforms, we increase the quality of uniforms, try to make something a little bit nicer, durable. Uh, we establish some kind of a gifts for the for Christmas. Even in, in, the, in the middle of this transition, we were the in December 2015, we provided to the to the to the group some uh, packages of uh, of meat for grill. You know, Monterey is an area where the where the grills are kind of at the uh, Monterey is an area where the grills are, are very important. So that's instead of a turkey, we give them the uh, three kilograms of a rachera. Oh yeah. So they like they, they like it so much. I mean, they never had received this, that, those kind of gifts. We we increase some of the of the benefits. Uh, again, being into the market, not trying to really being top notch of the area because we know eventually that will not last for the people yeah yeah that's really cool all right and then one of the last um, uh, topics but one of the probably the most important is um when you and i were outlining this podcast uh, i was very impressed really with the training program that you guys the that you developed for your for your workforce uh, why don't you share a few details of that training i think it's very impressive it's, it's really interesting that the deep throw process requires very specialized people, very, very specialized people. At this point, this is a process with a, with a tool maker, he really owns a job. He's the father of the job. So he will be the expert that eventually he will be able to, to teach into another person. But in order to have this tool maker in place, you need to pretty much to create it. There is no really a, a job position in Mexico and our area that has this kind of a, uh, I would say, specialized type of person. So we pretty much just uh, started taking as a base the, the program that is in place in, in Holland. This program is pretty much a combination of our rotations within the, among different areas in the, in the company. I was just production, is quality, is engineering, 
is maintenance, and extra classes in technical schools in the U.S. So at, at the end, they have a, a, a diploma from the technical universities uh, validated as a toolmaker. But just to, all this apprentice program, it takes around three to four years to have a person able to start uh, uh, their job in the, in the operation area. So in Mexico, we decided to, to go for the technical schools that were nearby for the, in the area, the Santa Catarina Technical University, the, the Conalevs, the Alvaro Obregón, and we started recruiting pretty much young guys, an average they have uh, are in twenties. And we starting to send them to Holland, very much in one week or two weeks travel time, to be trained there for with experienced toolmakers and transfer some of the job from Holland to Mexico. So that was a very very interesting uh, experience because these guys knew that we were investing on them. We just with the aim to to start learning. Right now we have a, in our in our pipeline 12 uh, toolmaker apprentices that actually are working the presses and making sure that the production is is already uh, in place for our customers. You know, um, that is cool. I was I was thinking about uh, sending all these folks to Holland, Michigan to to start with. It is actually I've been to Holland um, and it is a very industrial city too. I mean, they have a lot of companies there. Um, but it, it is a good experience um, for that. So in this apprenticeship, um, do you paired a senior toolmaker, a senior position uh, with uh, one of these entry-level positions? Or uh, how was the pairing happening? Well, the definitely is, is, is as you described. The toolmaker assigned to a job in Hola, he was, I will say, the trainee for these people assigned all the time that he was there. Mm-hmm. If we decide to, for example, we decide to, to bring a full program for a, for a cover sensor from Denso in Tennessee. So it was necessary to, to have it in Mexico because of the cost. We sent one of the, or, or I would say, writers, uh, toolmaker apprentices, and he was spent like, a, I would say, four weeks in total with different uh, travel schedule with a with toolmaker in charge of the, that job. And pretty much they started doing changeovers, uh, troubleshooting, learning how the drawings for the, for the tooling were, were designed. And then we moved the job in Mexico and the toolmaker that was helping him, was teaching him in the U.S. He, he traveled also to Mexico to develop the, the pip-up samples for those, for those parts. So at the end, I think these guys are still calling each other <laughs> every week to see how they're doing. So they, they create a very nice relationship. Was like a mentor, yeah. And then and you say it took took about three to four years to be kind of full production. So uh, were they taking more junior jobs in be- in between, or was it mostly training? Uh, you know what happened during those three years aside from the training, just increasingly more responsibility in production jobs, or? Well, we developed at the, at this point uh, a skill matrix based on the on our products. We pretty much aligned the, the part numbers and we segregated by, I would say, the difficulty of each one, level A, B, and C, like an example. So we assigned some kind of a points to the, the parts with the A, uh, different denomination uh, for the B, different for the C. And based on the skill matrix, we were assigned to different persons to be part of the of the toolmakers uh, training uh, rotations. Pretty much well, we, we define it kind of at the squares or quadrants with four squares. 
And pretty much the first quarter for one guy was, okay, he's familiar with the job. The second one, he can keep running the press. The third one, he can make a changeover in the press and keep the press running. And the fourth is they, make, they can make continuous improvement of the job. So when these guys have the four, four quadrants complete, they also is, is able to teach the other one. So that's the way we were monitoring the, the progress for the, for the training. But something that I need to tell you, and that's something that we are very proud of here in Mexico, is that these guys didn't need pretty much the four years to complete the trainingship, the training for the printer. These guys didn't need the, the full three years terms to actually work with the presses. In the meantime, they were developing the training uh, process. They were actually working with presses in in in, in, produ- in, in mass production. So the something that really turned the eyes into uh, from the guys from Holland and Mexico. Say, hey, want to do something? These guys are moving really faster. Wow, that's really proud. Yeah, that's really great. So um, that's just awesome. Thank you for sharing that training. Um, I think the the last question that I have for you or the last topic here is um, so starting the, the operation, right? So we've discussed about the right tools, the right uh, monitoring controls, the right training, the right empowerment and everything. So now you have your, your factory ready to go. Um, how do you start appealing to in the B2B process? And the reason I, you know, I'm very interested in that is obviously market scale is in the B2B space and we help uh, companies bel- build those media channels and that connection between companies. So tell me a little bit how Transmatic, uh, once in full operation, started basically the process of selling to, to companies. Well, definitely having the, the, the opponent's customer base helps us to, to start with uh, some sales. Not enough for, for the type of, of investment that we made, but was was the base. And definitely with our sales team, we started doing some kind of a market research. It was kind of a internet, uh, but definitely the first point was to look into the customers that we already have in the U.S. Who, who from these customers were in Mexico, which was kind of simple. But definitely, we needed to expand more of our vision. Uh, uh, right now, we're participating in the, in the automotive shows and industrial shows for around the country. We established some kind of a partnership with, uh, with some uh, digital magazines from the center of Mexico. And right now, we are working with the LinkedIn right now. We create our, 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 our I will say, our account for, for Transmatic Mexico. And we're posting what we are doing right now and searching for, for possible uh, leads or prospects for products. That is great. That's, that's phenomenal. That's a great success story from Transmatic. Um, anything else that you want to add, Javier, that we forgot to cover? Well, I think this, uh, having this experience with Transmatic is one of the most valuable in my, in my, li- in my professional life. I, I definitely can tell you Transmatic is a, is a, is a very nice, nice company with very nice people. That are really focused on the on, on success, but something that, that is is kind of important is when you look for an opening operation or go, going to a, a different kind of a project to expand your your capabilities. Let's say you don't need to really look for really high end technology. You need to go back just to the basics: the communication, empowerment, plan to check act. I mean, mm-hmm. those are things that pretty much are are inexpensive, but you need you need to follow it. You're right. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I think, um, I mean, there's something to say about the methodical approach that you took and everything and making sure that everybody was trained. 
But um, at the end of the day, it is discipline, it is execution, it's operational excellence, it is continuous improvement that you need to focus on. And uh, you're right, I mean, aided by technology, clearly, but it, it is a blocking and tackling, if you will, that um, it makes you great and makes you scalable. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, Javier. Thank you so much for sharing this story. It is um, awesome to hear firsthand from a general manager how all the things that you had to consider and the issues that you run into as, as you open an, a facility. And it's even more impressive that it started from a piece of land, really, and building the facility and then training the people and getting ready to to uh, to expand production so that is super super impressive i appreciate so much that you were able to join us no thank you. i appreciate your, your your time and give me this space it was it's a really nice experience awesome well i hope to have you sometime in the future and tell us how you're go doing excellent definitely thank you all right talk to you soon man thank you bye